to the Cake Sugar Coach podcast. Join me each week as I interview experts who will share the science of sugar, sugar addiction, and different approaches to recovery. We hope to empower you with the information and inspiration, insights, and strategies you need to break up with sugar and fall in love with healthy whole foods so you can prevent and reverse chronic disease, lose weight, boost your mood, and energy. Feel free to go to my website for details on my coaching programs and to access free resources, kicksugarcoach.com. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Katie Grimm. And Katie Grimm is one of us in the sense that she's a woman who's been walking the path of recovery from food addiction, sugar addiction. She uh, she's, she was in 12-step programs before, and then she joined another program and has sort of been doing this for quite a while. And her story is really powerful and very unique. Um as they, as I guess all of our stories are, but in this one particular way, Katie, and we'll get into this a little bit. Um, Katie I, I could lose some weight. She could, she looks and she's like, you know, I could lose some weight, but you know what? I have food freedom. I eat healthy. I don't overeat. I am perfectly healthy. I'm actually perfectly at peace. I'm good. If I know, if I want to lose weight, I could lose more weight, but she's actually at peace with her curves. She actually loves her curves. And right now, that's where she's at. And that is not a message we hear a lot in the food addiction recovery space, because typically we think the goal is to get as thin as we can and stabilize, right? Not as thin as we can. That's not right. But to get as close to the ideal sort of range of weight that people kind of have in their head and that you don't stop till you get there. And uh, so we're going to hear a bit about that, but let me tell you a little bit more about the professional expertise of Katie. So it's long and it's amazing. So she works with, uh, in particular, her areas of expertise are working with boundaries, how important and essential that is for life after sugar, or even as we navigate how to say no to sugar and set boundaries with food, right? And set boundaries with people and our limits. She works with thoughts and limiting beliefs. Um, she has multiple training certifications. She's IFS trained. She's at level two. She's uh, got work with grief work with the grief work method, which is really incredible work, which will always come up for anyone who's walking the path of addiction. Sooner or later, we're going to have to learn how to sort of be with our grief and to to process and heal it because it will come up. Um, She's laser focused. She's got coaching certificates from the Martha Beck Wayfinder Life Coach Program, the International Coaching Federation, Uh, She has somatic coaching from Genco coaching. She's a diamond scholar with a life coach school. Let me tell you, it goes on from there. We are in the midst of someone who gets us and also has such incredible expertise to bring to life after sugar. Once we break up and we've got some stability there, there is a world of work to do that we get to do that really, really takes our life to the next level. And that's what here Katie Katie can um, talk about with us today. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Florence. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I think I just broke my record uh, for saying the longest bio on my podcast or summit ever. Sorry about that. (laughs) So let's start with your journey. Tell us a bit about your your struggle to to sort of find a relationship to your body, your body size and food. Okay, thank you. Well, um, I was, let's say I would start with, I'm one of eight children. I'm the second oldest. And... um, we have a lot of addiction in our family, food, eating, spending, all the addictions. And I grew up as um, kind of a solid kid. Looking back, 
I thought I was overweight as a kid, but I really wasn't. I was just really more solid. But my sister was really petite. So I compared myself like we all do to other people and thought I was fat versus her being thin. We're not, like I wear a size nine shoe. She wears a five and a half. So you can see our bodies are just different. So growing up, I kind of had these beliefs in my head. So I was always on a diet. Like um, I like what you said. I'm one of you. I definitely am one of you. And um, I'm imagining most people in your uh, group have been on many diets. I think I joined Weight Watchers more than I can um, more than I can even remember, along with every other plan. Always giving the power to somebody else to tell me what to eat and tell me what to do to take this weight off. And all of those uh, things really uh, disconnect us from our bodies and ourselves and knowledge that we really know what's best for us. So fast forward on that journey, I um, finally got into a 12-step program. I got into Al-Anon. Um, because my therapist at the time drew a geneogram and she drew both of my husband's family and my family and all the addiction in our family. And then it came down to my four daughters, my four daughters. And she said, what makes you think that these addictions aren't going to reach them? The next, very next day, I got into an Al-Anon meeting because that was my goal was, was to prevent it from reaching them or at least letting them have more insight into it so that they didn't have to go through the same journey I went through. So in Al-Anon, that's where I really learned to focus back on myself. Again, as a child of eight children, my mom was also a people pleaser, always taking care of everybody else. And that's what I learned. So from her, I did not learn how to set boundaries. And most of us don't, especially as women, you know, we're taught to be that we're made of sugar and spice and everything nice and not to be assertive and not to take care of ourselves. And selfish was really um, like a bad word in our family. It was you focused on others. So I didn't have a role model to take care of myself. But in Al-Anon, I really learned to do that. And also I learned in Al-Anon that I was there for the alcoholics in my life. But I wasn't using alcohol, but I was using food for the same thing they were using alcohol. So it was very humbling. And then I got into a 12-step program dealing with food, which I was in for um, about a year. And it was wonderful and it definitely worked, but it was very um, controlling. And, you know, if you broke your abstinence, you were silenced from meetings. And I thought, you know, these people are a little crazy. I have to be honest. Um, and I don't, this isn't how I want to live the rest of my life. So I left that program. And then one day I found a program online, a food program that had all the ingredients of this 12 step program, but it was more loving and nurturing. So I joined that and I've been a member since 2016 and I follow their plan. It's no flour, no sugar. I don't have perfect abstinence, but I have food freedom. I um, I would not consider myself a binger. Um, I was more of an overeater. I, like, I know that I eat for comfort. You know, I'm definitely, it's a, for emotional reasons. And that's my journey now is to really stay connected with myself so that I feel those emotions, process them. I do IFS work, internal family systems work. So 
Um, I'm really connected to my food system and the parts involved. And that's my journey. It's an everyday journey, but I really do have food freedom around that. I talk, you know, I hear people that are maybe 10 pounds overweight and they're so obsessed with what they're going to eat and taking off those last 10 pounds and they have huge critics inside. And I look at that and that is not the way I want to live. So um, just to take you back to what I learned in um, Al-Anon with taking care of myself is my other area of interest, kind of my passion is boundary work. Because I don't think as women, I feel really, um, I feel really passionate about teaching women how to set boundaries in their life. I think it's a skill we're missing. And um, I've taught it to my girls and I teach boundaries classes and I see women just kind of flourish because they've never known that they could set boundaries even. Um, so um, I'll stop at that and see if you have any questions. Oh, no, I, I love that. Um, I just want to take this moment. I, I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, but I want to put in a shameless plug before uh, Katie and I hit record for this interview. She was saying that this summer, so this is being aired in, uh, I'm not sure, some in 2023, but in the summer of 2023, you're thinking about running a group for young women, right? Young adults, like 18, 25, something like that. Um, do you know when? Are you thinking like June, July or, or something? I would guess probably June when, June. He, when kids are out of school. Okay. And some of them are still are working, but okay. um, yeah, probably June. Okay. Okay. I just want yes. to put in a shameless plug for that because how amazing would it be for us to have learned these skills as young as you're hoping to teach them, you know, and the women that are and the probably mostly women, but the men and the women that are listening to this podcast might have grandchildren, they might have children, right, that that we can refer to Katie, like send them to Katie. So she's got enough young people to, to run this class. I know I'm going to send my daughter, or at least suggest it to her, right? I know she'd be interested in this, be right up her alley. So I can imagine that this is a resource that we don't often know about that we can, you know, we can share with our families. Um, so Katie, I want to poke around a little bit around this idea of I could lose more weight. I know how to do it. I know mm -hmm. how to do it. I've done it. You've already lost lots of weight, right? You, yes. And you've stabilized here and you feel peaceful, you enjoy your curves, and you've got these different parts that will have different opinions about your body image, your body weight, but you've come to this place of neutrality. It's just not about that. And I want to explore that a little bit because I can imagine how many people will listen to this to say, Katie, if you can lose more weight, you should lose more weight. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would say that's a part. Um, going back to my IFX work, that's a part that's, it's a critic saying you should lose more weight. You know, the the old you should never should on yourself. Um, you shouldn't lose more weight. It's a, yeah, it's a critic who's not ha happy. And I would explore and get to know that critic and why it thinks that. When I'm in self, which is the core of what IFS is, um, I'm very comfortable with my body and my weight and and the journey I've been on. And I know where I am now with food freedom. It's a much more peaceful place than I was when I was, you know, desperately trying to lose weight. Even coaching people around weight, like every they all, you know, it's like they're never at a loss for coaching on weight loss. 
uh, because it's almost like we don't know what else to talk about. That was kind of a realization that I came from. It's like, I have to fix this. I have to fix this. Now my energy is spent more on just kind of being and enjoying life. Mm. And do you fear that you would lose your peace if a part said, Hey, let's lose some more weight. We know how to do this. Let's, 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 let's keep, let's pick that ball up again and run with it a little bit further. Do you fear that you would lose your peace with food, your food freedom? I think, um, disconnection from self you're all, I always suffer when I'm disconnected from myself. So when a part is running the show, the parts are often very young. They're often frozen in the past. So it's like letting a two or three-year-old run your life. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yep. With IFS, yeah. Yeah. So just getting to know that part and, um, yeah, and what, uh, you know, the thoughts behind it and then getting back into self. Right, right. So I am... you and I were recently talking about the, the Emily August interview that I did on my podcast where she was talking about body neutrality. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. it's not about uh, making peace with your weight. It's not about embracing, you know, fuller bodies is beautiful. You know, the fat is beautiful movement that it's not about uh, embracing that we should all be at our ideal weight if we can be. It's just neutral. It's just none of that. It's just irrelevant, right? So can you right. talk a bit more about that, how that's true for you? Yes. When it's neutral, I'm living life. Like I'm enjoying life. I'm focused on my family. I'm focused on what I love to do. I'm focused on my career. I I know um, the foods that I like to eat and they're all clean foods. I know I feel better physically by eating clean foods and not eating processed foods. Um, so it's a simple decision. I do write my food down. I, that was one thing that I've learned. So I do write down what I'm going to eat every day and make sure that I have plenty of those foods in the refrigerator. And then I just go in and simply eat what I've written down, which, which allows me to be free. I'm not, I did learn to weigh and measure my food. I'm not obsessive about that because I feel like that kind of takes me down a, a bad path too mm. of, uh, of control rather than freedom. Got it. Rather. So it's almost like it's a bit more intuitive. Like you kind of, you have confidence that you know when you're hungry and when you're full and you just kind of work with that. Exactly. Okay, yes. so I'm, I'm going to play a part. This is a bit cheeky. I hope I'm not putting too much heat on you, but I know, I know other people have parts in their head that will say, that's crazy talk. Don't listen to Katie. She's I'm glad that she's made peace with having curves. But if you can lose more weight, you should lose more weight. Why wouldn't you? You don't. Have, if you can be peaceful at that weight, you can be peaceful at another weight. Why don't we just keep going? Why don't we just do a little bit more weighing and measuring and being just a little bit more mindful of portions so that we can support weight loss? What would you say to that part? Yeah, I would. Um... If someone was saying that to me, I would I would look at what what's going on inside of them. Like, why do they feel that oh, way? Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm playing the part in someone else's head. Like I'm pretending. I oh, got you. I'm pretending okay. to be the part inside your head that would be saying that because I know that other people will listen to that and say, "I have a part already saying that Katie's crazy." No, if she can lose more weight, she should. How would you respond to if that voice was in your head? 
Okay. Now gotcha. Thank you for your clarification. Yeah, I would um I would really connect to that part. And part of IFS is doing somatic work. So like figuring out where that part lives in my body. And then really um um, unblending from the part because if that part is running the show then like I said earlier it's like you have these parts frozen in time so it's like a young part and then I get to know the part and what's behind its beliefs and what it really needs and so maybe that's a young part like that's in middle school that where they you know where you're so worried about what everybody else is thinking and you feel less than if you're view way more than the other girls and then healing that part it's a matter of healing it it's they hold beliefs that don't necessarily um jive for lack of a better word with reality today does that make sense it does it does yeah um so and i do ifs as well so what you're saying is that you would be oh good Oh yeah, totally. So you, you, you would be with the part, you would say, Hey, what's up? What's up? Like, and then there's the assumption that it's protecting an exile, some vulnerable part that's holding pain that has been injured or insulted or hurt because maybe comments about weight. And so that exile part doesn't want to be criticized again around weight. And that drives, you know, that part to say, Hey, we should keep going. Um, and so maybe that exile part can be entirely healed, entirely healed of the wounding it's been holding around judgment from other people about their weight. But that doesn't preclude choosing to continue to lose weight. So how would one make the choice to continue to lose weight? Uh, I would imagine um, it would preclude if it comes from self. And you can feel if something is coming from self or from a part. Mm-hmm. of you mm-hmm. um self you know is calm it's courageous it's curious confident it's that just that you can just feel that energy um is coming from self we're a part like you said they're protectors they're there to protect something and they're not they're the opposite they're not calm courageous connected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. So if at some point in time, there was this really calm energy that came in and said, you know, maybe I'm going to drop a grain. Maybe I will. Let's see. Let's see what that does. But it's, it's not coming from the place of I need to fix myself. We, your point is, is that where you're at right now with your food journey is you're peaceful, you feel free. Um, your energy around your body is wonderful. It's healthy. We're enjoying life, right? Like right. that. This right, is, exactly. This, this is, you have what people think they'll get when they lose weight. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so this is a, this is a cool interview because there isn't a lot of people who will, especially in this space, I think, will say, "Quite happy with what my weight where it's at," and 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 get neutral. I'm like, I'm not like, oh, this is exactly what I want. It's like, it is what it is. And this is, right now I'm in alignment with myself and myself has not said, let's drop a grain or let's drop That's a fat it. or let's tighten up. Let's pull out the scale. It's not said that. And so there's no need to go there. Yes. And that's such a foreign concept for our society. It's very, very courageous. Yeah. Very courageous to say that. That's clearly coming from self. Yes, exactly. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So it gives people out there permission, I think, to say, make peace with food, focus on loving yourself, being in self-energy, right? Stop the, the ripping yourself apart, thinking you need to get to some number on the scale. And that maybe then you'll love yourself. You can do it before. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Like, I, like I love Beyonce or um, uh, Jennifer Lopez. I mean, they have curves, they have, you know, beautiful bodies and, but they're not, um, you know, they're not anorexic looking. They're very healthy looking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. Let's talk a bit more about life after sugar. So you, for the most part, for the last six years, seven years, almost, you're a sugar flour free woman, you eat whole foods, you plan it, you write it down, you follow through exactly the next day, you've got your piece. And then what happened after you kind of got, started to get success and traction with that and food was no longer an issue? What are some issues that came in your life that you needed some skills to start to deal with? Like what came up for you and how did you work through it? Uh, definitely emotions. Those were the first things that came up. Feelings. So before, if I would push them down with food, now I had nothing to push them down with. So I started shopping originally. That was my first uh, thing, which is very common when really? people, yes, when people give up one addiction, they, um, you know, add a new one in place. So I started shopping and I realized what I was doing. So I stopped that. And then, um, what I did was I would just sit with feelings and I learned to process emotions. And some of that is through parts work and other is just like slowing down, sitting, feeling them in my body, feeling the feelings in my body, becoming more connected to my body and just letting the feeling pass. And, you know, you've probably heard feelings really only last about 90 seconds the flow. It's when we attach another thought to them that they stick around for a longer period of time. And it's usually a stressful thought. Like I shouldn't be feeling this. Mm-hmm. So I became really good at processing my feelings and also to identifying the parts within me that were popping up when I wanted something, you know, not on my food plan. Mm. I also found that I had so much more time because I wasn't I wasn't thinking about food. I wasn't, um, you know, spending more time at the uh, grocery store or fast food restaurants or whatever. So it opened up a ton of time and freedom. I started organizing things was another thing, like something to do with my hands. So I started organizing. So my house is much more organized now than it was before. Mm. That's another side of freedom. I know that's kind of a sign in my life of how organized my life is. Kind of an exterior benchmark of what's going on inside i think my relationships are better i'm more connected with people uh food was kind of an escape sugar and flour where now i'm really um much more vulnerable and authentic with people so so many benefits that is that's the amazing part because it's really clear that our addiction at least in part is an effort to regulate our nervous system, manage our mood, right? To bring in pleasure and to get comfortably numb, all of that. And that we've learned to do the regulation of our nervous system with inanimate objects like food, as opposed to with people. And if you don't transition to learn how to be able to be vulnerable and actually truly step into connection with people, we'll probably will find another inanimate object to go and, and, uh, you know, regulate our nervous systems with, 
And yes. so it's so beautiful that you're able to do that. Talk a bit more about that journey and how long did it take and what supported you in learning how to turn to people vulnerably to help you, you know, f- feel okay, feel safe. Yeah. In in the warm and fuzzy uh, kind of 12-step programish group that I'm in, that I've been in since 2016, um, I really connected with people. They have a Facebook group. So I really would put myself out there and connect. I got into a mastermind group. Uh, there's three of us in the group and we have been meeting religiously um, all this time. You know, we might miss a week here or there because we're on vacation, but overall we have stayed together and that's been really supportive. Um, I adopted a lot of the practices. Like I do a morning quiet time where I meditate. I write in a um, my gratitude journal, and then that's when I write my food down. So those habits have really helped cement the program for me. So how long did it take? Um, I imagine the it took a while, you know, that first year to really get those habits to be ingrained. I would say a good a good year or two. Uh, to really develop them. And I I would encourage anyone trying to do them, just, you know, start with one. Don't beat yourself up if you can't get them all done. Just start with one and then and add as you go. And now, all these years later, they really are daily habits in my life. Beautiful, beautiful. Talk to us a little bit about uh, limiting beliefs and negative thoughts and what role they can play in making so making us miserable after breaking up with sugar because you know once mm. we've got sugar flour out and we're stable mm-hmm. and our bodies have come around and they're they're allies mm-hmm. they, they now yes. are no longer resisting or crying out for or craving the junk they're like no no I really like this you were right this is better so they're on mm-hmm. board but that doesn't necessarily mean yeah. that after we've got the sugar flour down that we can be happy right because there's all this other work that we get to do in particular around our thoughts. So talk to us a bit more about that. Yeah. Our thoughts can lie to us. People don't, don't know that. Um, But our thoughts can be not true. And um, one of my favorite examples I often use in coaching is this girl has a boyfriend and she, they break up, he breaks up with her and she sees a picture of him on Instagram with another girl. And she's very upset about it. Obviously she goes home and she's miserable for uh, like a month. She binge watches Netflix, eats a bunch of junk food, doesn't reach out. She's just really depressed. So she runs into him after this month and she says, I saw your picture on Instagram. And he said, oh yeah, that was my cousin. So told her thoughts were that he was, had replaced her. And it was just the cousin. So because her thoughts went one way, she was miserable for a month. But the reality is it was just his cousin. So I use that example because, I mean, had she had she not thought it was a new girlfriend, she wouldn't have had a miserable month. So our thoughts really can control us and may not be true. So I really challenge, uh, encourage people to challenge your beliefs. Like, so you can never, uh, you know, eat a huge Thanksgiving meal. Is it really the end of your life? Or you may not be able to drink wine at your daughter's wedding. Is that really the worst thing that possible to really examine those thoughts and, and not even to go there really until the wedding actually happens. 
people have a lot of those things like I can't do this because, but just really to stay in the day and really examine your thoughts and, um, and look for the truth of it. Help, help us uh, understand how they can do that. So we've all got lots of negative thoughts and untrue thoughts, unhealthy yeah. thoughts, painful thoughts that create incredible pain and suffering. Where do they begin to start to access the truth and turn them around? That's a great question. Um, there's a couple ways you can do it. Uh, one way is adding that to your morning routine, like challenging your thoughts and writing them down and then examining them. Really, like it's almost like emptying your brain out and seeing what's there. And there's a couple tools I use in my coaching. One um, is the, it's called the thought model. And it's based on the work of Byron Katie. Are you familiar with Byron Katie? Oh, totally. Yes. I love, yeah. Okay. So you, yeah, challenging your thoughts. And um, it's obviously too much to go into right now, but she has a free website. You can go on and print out her worksheet. um, And, and just that allows you to look at the thoughts and really challenge them and see if they're, if they're true or not. Mm-hmm. And just to be practical with that, one of the things that Byron yeah. does at the end of the process is to have it do the opposite. Let's say the thought is, for example, maybe that, that example of the girlfriend who sees the Instagram picture or the Facebook page uh, photo and yes. she has the thought, uh, he never he's replaced me. me. He's replaced me. He's replaced me or I was never loved or I'm replaceable or he's happy and I'm not or something like that should have been us. We should anyways. So he's replaced me. And then you do the exact opposite. He's not replaced me. How could that be as true if not true? So give three examples and you have to sit there and think about, well, I don't know for sure that their boyfriend, girlfriend, she could have had that thought if she'd actually sat and questioned, she could have had the thought well, maybe she's a bitch, actually. Like, maybe she's horrible. Maybe she's going to ruin his life. Maybe he'll be like, so clear how great I was. It'll be like a great <laughs> awakening. Yes. Him, right? He's not replaced me. I, she doesn't even come close to the wonderfulness that I am. And maybe another example could be, he has he not replaced me because there is no replacing me. That at this stage of our life, we were meant to come together for that time and it worked when it worked and it didn't in the end, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't good and precious and meaningful to him as it was for me, right? That 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 can't be replaced. And that maybe sometimes people come into lives for seasons and not forever. And maybe that's what he was for me as well, even though I can't see it right now. And all of a sudden that painful thought is like, right, right. Yes. You know, and it shifts. So I just want to leave. Yeah, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Yeah. And it's, and a, I'll add, yeah, it's a, yes, it is. I'll add to that. Like um, another one is um, you turn it around to yourself. So another one would be like, I've replaced myself. How is that true? And it's true. Like I replaced myself. I became this binge watching binger, uh, you know, for this month and lost myself. Yes. I replaced myself. Um, hmm, I can't think of another one. Can you think of another? I like to come up with threes, but that's a tough one. I replaced- yeah, I replaced myself. Um, there's another one um, to add Yahoo at the end. So I replaced myself Yahoo. How is that true? Wow, you know. Thank goodness I lost this guy because he really wasn't very good for me, especially if I think he's replacing me so quickly. 
Mm-hmm. So it cracks open your mind yeah. and kind of allows the light to come in. Yes, 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 exactly. And this is the work that we get to do. And there's a whole kind of school of thought out there. Or it's very tempting to think, oh, I got to do this work before I break up with sugar and flour and sweeteners and alcohol. That this doing this work that we're talking about will make that easy or maybe not even necessary. Big fallacy. <laughs> this comes after. Just break yes. up. And then just keep working through the thoughts, right? Like it's impossible. I can't sustain this. I don't know. They're all lies. They're all lies. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's really not true. None of it's true. Yeah. It's very, very easy, actually. The hard part is getting, getting, getting abstinent. Once you're there, it's quite easy, more or less. Um, anything else you want to add on the topic of women, food, food addiction, recovery? Uh, I would add, I love boundaries. And so I'll talk a little bit about boundaries. Um, You know, saying no. Women have a hard time saying no. So I'll just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Part of my journey is I decided um, I was always saying yes. So I was going to go to the extreme and say no to everything that I didn't love. So I kind of put that out there. And, you know, the universe kind of like you put something out there, you get an example like the next day of applying it. So my daughter's softball coach said to me, um, oh, would you like to be the team mom? So there's no part of me that wanted to be the team mom for this softball team. But I thought, oh, I don't want to let him down. You know, he's asking me. He must really want me. But I said, I'm going to say no to everything I don't want to do. So I kind of white knuckled it and said, I'm sorry. um, I can't. My plate's really full right now. So he said, okay. But my reaction was, okay. Like he, he didn't beg me. He didn't plead. He didn't, you know, try and convince me to do it. He just said, okay, and moved on to the next mom. So that was a, a major awakening for me, like that I'm not as important as I thought I was. <laughs> and it also gave me a lot of uh, confidence to do it again. So saying no is like building a muscle. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And, um, and the more I said no, kind of like food freedom, the, it freed up my time to do things that I really loved. And so I could be more of myself and do those things. Mm. And I have, a, I have a couple tips if you hey. would like to, yeah, yeah. on how I, I help people uh, learn how to say no. One is to uh, buy time. You know, we often think when someone asks us, we need to give them immediate answer. And it, it's kind of a trauma response, but we don't need to do that. So we can buy time and just say, let me check with my spouse and I'll get back to you. Or let me check my calendar. And then you can kind of gather to, you know, take a couple deep breaths and come back later once you know the answer. Or another thing you can do is um, in buying time is you can set their expectations. Like if you're pretty sure you don't want to do it, but you don't want to say no that moment, you can say, I think we're busy, but let me get back to you. So they're, they're already expecting you to say no and come back with that. And then I love the saying, um, saying no to others is saying yes to yourself. Right. Totally. That when I say yes to somebody, but it's no to me, but we flip that when we draw boundaries. Yes. I get to say no yeah. to someone else and say yes to myself. And then all yeah. those parts inside of us are like, what? We're important. Exactly. <laughs> 
we're not getting the short end of the stick. She's not asking us to self-sacrifice again. This is, this is what's happened to Katie. Where's Florence? Yes. And they're cheering, they're yeah. cheering you on. And then they start to trust their system more and they don't need things like food and uh, busyness and achievement. Right, 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 right. You've just made me miserable. Can you at least give me a donut? Come on. Yeah. You just, you just signed up for something that everything inside our system was saying, hell no. And you said, yes, like, come on, throw us a bone here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But if you say no, yeah, they're like, wow. And they can relax and they're not running the show anymore. Right. They trust you. You've got your back. Finally, you've got your yeah. own back. This yeah. beautiful, beautiful Katie. Awesome. So you can find Katie at her website, Katie Grimm, just as you can see on her screen, G-R-I-M-M, coaching.com. If you'd like to check this amazing woman out. And thank you again for your time today, Katie. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you would like more interviews, more information, and more inspiration on how to break up with sugar, go to my YouTube channel, Kick Sugar Coach, or my website, kicksugarcoach.com. See you next week.